know today it's about faith it's about support it's about never giving up no matter what the odds are we are Notre Dame so it's all come down to this six seconds left on the clock last play of the game this is it you have to throw the ball here I don't think he can run it oh my three wideouts in the game shotgun snap here come blitzers back to throw Meyer Throws it. It's caught by Samarja. He's at the 30. Afterburner Durant. In the open field. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going ahead. Notre Dame has scored. And Notre Dame is out in front 17-16. Absolutely phenomenal pass off this football by the Irish. Unbelievable, unbelievable finish. Pentamonium on the field. Notre Dame is number one. Michiana's Sports Leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT presents Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Your hosts are Eric Hansen and Darren Pritchett. I hope it's a great atmosphere. We, we, we thrive on our home field. Um, you know, we've had a good run going at home. So, um, you know... <laughs> You know, to have to have a home game against the top ten opponent. Um, you know, when you're a top ten team, um, these, these are the moments that you wait for, and um, we're uh, we're certain that I think we're going to be met with a with a great great crowd. Four more days until we get to see these two top ten teams square off in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium. 4-0 Stanford ranked number seven in the country against your Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Also 4-0, number eight in the current rankings. We welcome you to Budweiser's weekday sports beat as we continue our game week coverage of Notre Dame and Stanford along with Eric Hansen, the Fighting Irish Football Insider for the South Bend Tribune. I'm WSBT Radio Sports Director Darren Pritchett. We thank you so much for joining us. Our program is presented, as always, by Budweiser. Great times are waiting. Grab some buds by Legacy Heating and Air. Call Legacy Heating and Air to get a system at 0% financing for 36 months and up to $1,550 in rebates. And by Signal Point in Niles, Michigan, the newest member of the Blackthorn family of venues. What do we have for you tonight? Well, this hour... Brian Kelly met the media today, hopefully you heard it live at noon here on WSBT Radio, presented by Eddie Street Commons. Brian talked about the quarterback position and did not name a starting quarterback. I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that. Really doesn't mean anything because we know Ian Book's starting a quarterback, right? Right? Correct. We'll get to that in a second. We'll explain all this. Dexter Williams. Hello. Welcome back, Dexter. Where you been? Looks like he might be a factor in Saturday's game plan as the Irish will get a running back back for their rotation. And what's happening at right guard right now? Eric will try to figure that out as the president of the fan club of the starter at the right guard <laughs> position. Is there panic in the fan club right now? My five question of the day. The five ways Ian Book improved the offense on Saturday. Was this easy? Of course. <laughs> okay. Well, then tomorrow's is going to be very, very, very difficult. Okay. Just to test you. And the next hour, more on the quarterbacks. We want to talk about the wide receiver position. And I'm going to ask Sean to rank the wide receivers in terms of confidence level. 
Who's the guy you feel the most comfortable with at the wide receiver position? I'll tell you, I had to look at the stats today to to mm-hmm. cheat to see who was the leading receiver on this team. Mm-hmm. In terms of catches, it's Chris Fink. In terms of receiving yards, it's Miles Boykin. And Boykin has six of his nine catches in one half of football. Been very quiet. Been very, very quiet. Alizé Mack is not a wide receiver, but he's also high on the list in catches right now for this Fighting Irish football team. And you got the running backs that are chipping in as well. So, not to steal our thunder next hour, if you had to rank number one in your confidence level listed wide receiver, who would you rank number one? Um... Because Fink has 14 catches, but a lot of those are just those little bubble screen or passes into the flat. Right. We had the five catches for six yards game. Strange. Yeah. Never seen that. He's also had some long catches. He has... uh, The 50-yarder against Michigan for a score? Yes. He has... um, Don't mean to finish your sentences. (laughs) No. I mean, other than Michael Young's long run... 66 yards? Uh, Fink's is the next longest with 43. So I would say, I mean, some of it's the coverage that they get. Um, mm-hmm. I think Miles Boykin is getting more attention, mm-hmm. and it bothered Equinemius last year when he got that attention in the short field. Um, but I think eventually it's things are going to open up for him. If I had to pick a guy and we were going to play – you know, pick up football or whatever, I would pick Boykin. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I'd pick Claypool if we're going to do um, an obstacle course, though. An obstacle course. <laughs> or something that, or a combine. You know, he's going to have a higher vertical. He's going to run as at least as fast to 40 as Boykin. He's the Grant Irons of the wide receiving court. Yes, he is. The, he is the guy that's going to look good getting off the... Uh, bus and off the plane and whatever other vehicle he gets Dude, off. Great at the combine. Right. And stick around the NFL a couple of years just because of all of that. And I'll tell you what, he was on top of things in terms of kickoff coverage on Saturday as well. I mean, he's a valuable weapon in that kickoff coverage group. He is, and that's been better since the Michigan game. That's yeah. a positive. Just looking for still, as Brian Kelly has said, more consistency from Chase at wide receiver. And maybe that is helped out by Ian Book. If he starts at quarterback Saturday. Yeah. If he starts. Well, you know, their official depth chart, which they put together every week, <sighs> lists them both, you know, either or. And and with the running back, it lists four possibilities of starters. Eric, will you please do this? Okay. Next year, if I ever complain early in the year about not having a depth chart from an opposition, you have every right to just slap me. Okay. Because why do I get excited about these depth charts? Because just throw them in the garbage. Really? I can go to IndieInsider.com and get a truer depth chart. Well, we do have Ian Book listed as number one in our depth chart. You are such rebels. Oh, yeah. How dare you go out on that limb? <laughs> I haven't moved Dexter on the depth chart just because I'm not sure what exactly his role will be Saturday. I'll probably move him up one spot to third. Who does the depth chart in the media notes? Is it really Brian Kelly's depth chart, or is that just a guess? I think it's, and I'm sure I'll get a text if I get this wrong, I think Michael Birch puts it together and then consults Kelly and says, does this look right? Um, So if my phone doesn't buzz here in the next two minutes, I think we got the answer correct. I'm over depth charts now. 
I'm over it. And Michael Birch is the sports information director for football. For those who aren't familiar with Birchy Bits or his love of Cleveland sports. Oof. Well, Michigan maybe has it right. Eh, who needs these depth charts? I like I like them. I mean, I like to see who's on them now. How accurate they are, you know. Sometimes that's subject to the that's school. That's the point. That's the point. But it's it's interesting to see who's. Uh, I I have to type them up, type the visiting ones up every week. So. Well, I just think the ND Insider Notre Dame depth chart is brilliant. Whoever does that is absolutely brilliant, and I just follow them instead. I'm over it. I'm over it. We're in a green world now. You don't get papers now, so you got to go online. So I just go to IndieInsider.com to get my depth chart. Thank you. Is that what you do? Well, I, I'm the one that has <laughs> is in charge of putting it together. So that's where I look, too, when I'm looking up heights and weights and stuff. It's easy to get to. It's easy to read. Well, later on when we get to the... I'll, I'll tell you, i got to tell you a funny story about that depth chart. The week of the Michigan game when Notre Dame didn't put one out, and Michigan didn't put one out, the depth chart was the highest in terms of page views of any story or, you really? know, file. Yes. Over 20,000 page views that week. Isn't that funny? That just shows you how much people care about seeing that stuff. They do. But they couldn't see it anywhere else, and so they came to us. You mean the all-time alumni depth chart didn't satisfy their needs? Yeah. <laughs> And Autry Denson didn't make the running back group. That's a story for another day. All right, let's talk about what we learned from Brian's press conference today or what we didn't learn from his press conference today. Ian Book led the Irish to 566 total yards of offense last Saturday against Wake Forest. Yet, Brian Kelly publicly would not name a starting quarterback today. So, I believe it was you, Mr. Hansen. They got all feisty and got all fired up and got Brian all fired up by asking him quarterback roles for this week. That's just another way of saying who's starting, right? You just went about it in a different way. Well, I, I just, it wasn't asked on Sunday. You know, he, Correct. I prefaced it with the fact that he said, I have the right to reserve the, I have, I have the right to, what did he say? I reserve the right to make a different. Right arrangement each and every week and i thought well okay we ha we didn't ask that on sunday i don't want to assume well you know what the problem is the people from maryland that phone in are supposed to ask the tough questions we didn't get them from them so uh, nobody asked the question there you go i mean the maryland media is on top of notre dame football more than any other state even more than indiana it's <laughs> remarkable their passion for notre dame football is just blows me away every saturday i look forward to their questions <sighs> so anyways I, I did tell Brian after the press conference I wasn't trying to be a smart guy. And he he understood that. He likes your questions. <laughs> you can see how he grins. Sometimes he does the, here it comes. Here it comes from Eric. But anyway, you asked him about quarterback roles this week. And here is how he answered your question. Yeah, I think we're both going to prepare. They're both going to prepare the way they have. Um, and and look, it's it's important that 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 everybody knows that both of these quarterbacks can win football games for us. That's the most important thing. And so, as coaches, we have to keep both of them sharp. You know, that's that's the challenge is making sure that during the week of our preparation that they're both sharp. And 
you know, we got a lot of work to do each and every week to make sure that that happens in terms of making sure that they get the right looks in the red zone and short yardage and third down and long and blitz packages. So it's a lot of work during the week, but we'll make sure both of them are ready. Okay, so Stanford's preparing for Ian Book, right? They're spending some time on Wimbush. You have to do that, but they're preparing for Ian Book. Correct. And so the fact that we're not naming a starting quarterback publicly really doesn't matter in the whole scheme of things. It really doesn't. But at the same time, we it's just odd you're not naming a guy who had 566 yards of total offense or helped that offense do most of that. Not be your starting quarterback after making a change and putting up 56 points, and now you're playing your biggest game of the year. So is this just protecting Brandon Wimbush and keeping him motivated going forward? I mean, that's something you can do behind closed doors, obviously. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I don't know that there's a great matchup the rest of the year, but there's a couple things. One, you could have an injury to Ian Book. Two, you could face a team in the playoff where you have to run a quarterback 15 to 20 times, and Brandon would maybe give you that matchup, or at least in, a, in a, maybe a smaller dose, he would give you a nice matchup with being able to run him uh, and have the threat of throwing the ball. Uh, but I don't see in this particular matchup, especially when you look at last year's game, it wasn't the offensive line protection, Darren, and Stanford wasn't, that wasn't one of their vintage defenses last year. Mm-hmm. But they sacked the quarterback six times last year. There's only one time in the whole Brian Kelly era that there's been more sacks. That was seven against Arizona State. Remember the Golson disaster out Sunday in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But, but to put it into perspective, in 2013, Tommy Reese's senior year, they allowed eight sacks the whole season. They allowed six mm-hmm. in one game. And 10 tackles for loss is the second most in the Brian Kelly era, too. So that game plan with an ineffective passing quarterback didn't work in that game. Stanford was able to use a defense, again, that had some really outstanding individuals but collectively wasn't that good and hold Notre Dame to 20 points and hold them to zero in the fourth quarter. So it doesn't seem like a game where Brandon Wimbush would add an, a really good element there. So he doesn't have a role in this game, like Wake Forest? I, I think he has a minimal role in this game with a healthy Ian Book. I mean, what would the minimal role be? Well, I mean, you might have a package of... They may give him a package of plays where they think... You know, we said at the beginning of the year, he seemed like the red zone quarterback. Uh, You know, but Ian Book has handled that very well. That's why I'm just having a hard time finding a role for him. Well, I I guess maybe... If going well. But what if it isn't? And you want to give them a little bit of a change-up look. Brandon would... Provide provide that, but again, if you look at last and and this defense is playing better through four games than that defense played through thirteen last year. Even with some really good personnel losses, they seem to have found themselves defensively. But Ian Book seems like the ideal guy in this situation, based on how the Oregon quarterback quarterback Justin Herbert threw against Stanford. That was a defense pass defense that came into that game ninth and he carved them up in the first 
three quarters, basically. And and even into overtime, only had two incompletions. Then he was one of six in overtime. So Brandon Wimbush has a role. If Stanford is able to play tight coverage on the wide receivers, try to take away the short passing game, which is something the book is very good at, which could affect the running game. And if you need to loosen up the defense on a deep ball, Brandon Wimbush could be the guy to help you out. I'm not expecting to see much of Brandon Wimbush. I'm just saying... I wouldn't rule it completely out, but I don't know why that would make sense in that game. Again, we saw, we saw that movie last year. I'm just offering a scenario as I ask you, is there a role for Brandon Wimbush? If the offense is scuffling and Stanford has figured out a way to neutralize Ian Book, does that get you excited about Brandon Wimbush? Because I don't think we know what Ian Book can do throwing the deep ball consistently. And we, we haven't seen him as the object of a defensive coordinator's game plan. That's why I'm asking the question. Right. So... Everything goes well. That question means absolutely nothing. I'm just bringing up a hypothetical. If this happens, and I think we respect Stanford's defense, if they are able to neutralize him and Ian's going to face some situations he has not faced before, if you're Brian Kelly, what are you thinking? Because you got a guy who started a bunch of games for you sitting there next to you. All right. I I think that they're going to keep I, – I wouldn't are be – Are we support- all in? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if the reps went 60-40 Ian Book's way this week. It I don't, should. Right. It should. I mean, um, if we're all in here, then he should get the majority of reps. Right. But, you See, know. This is just weird. Well, I think you have to. I think. I, but I think, Darren, as a coach, you got to plan for every eventuality. I know when. Oh, I agree. When, when Brian Kelly first got to Notre Dame, he would get three quarterbacks ready. Now, he's tamped that down a bit and, and and certainly Phil Jakovic running the scout team would represent a change of philosophy because but at Cincinnati he had to get down to the sure. number three quarterback sometimes well again when we were going through the Deshaun Kaiser Malik Zaire situation the rotating quarterbacks didn't make sense to me because to me after watching Kaiser the year before after the Zaire injury he looked like I'm going to use an NFL term, I apologize, but a franchise quarterback. He threw the ball deep well, had a good understanding of the offense, he continued to learn, and you know what? He ran the ball well enough. And so Zaire going in was a little bit of a head-scratcher. It was sold as he had traits that Kaiser didn't have. Okay, if he can run the ball and throw the defense off, great. you got to prepare for two quarterbacks, great. But at the end of the day... Kaiser was a much better college quarterback. Now, that season didn't turn out as well as you would like. And Kaiser had young wide receivers he was dealing with. He pressed, and it didn't turn out the way we all thought it was going to. So that, to me, was a Kaiser year. This I understand. You have two different guys that do different things. If Book can play against high-level teams like he did against Wake Forest, there's no conversation. And I'm a guy that's still a fan of Brandon Wimbush, and I'm still a believer he could win a lot of football games for this team. But I think there's no doubt Ian has gotten better, and I don't think that was totally made public over the last few months. But Brian did say it Saturday. He did say it Saturday, but I mean in the spring and through the summer and through fall practice, we never had any indication that Ian had surged. In fact, he was asked if the gap is closed, and... He didn't say then the gap was closed. That's what he went through the whole Brandon will never spin the ball like Ian, da-da-da-da-da. So there was never really 
a public assertion that, wow, Ian's coming on really, really strong. In the blue goal game, we talked about, well, he was going against the number two defense, and that's a big, big difference. I, I wish we could have seen him against the number one defense well, in the first half now just well, to see how far he'd come along. Well, even in the practices that we saw, Darren, he was going against the number two defense. Yeah. So It was hidden. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a big difference at some positions on Notre Dame's team, especially at linebacker, oh, you when bet. you're going against the one versus the number two defense. Now, defensive linemen, those guys are pretty equal but corners are good corners are pretty good although love and drop off yeah there is a little bit of drop very competitive safety there's some drop off but linebacker there's a huge drop off um so you know what were we seeing in practice book looked good i mean he moved the team but i mean if you had to hand the ball off and tavon coney sitting there for the first and second down and now you're third and eleven. And Dalen Hayes and Julian O'Quara are amping up to come after you and get within four feet of you. So that's how practice works. You can't hit them. Well, before the first fall practice, I think you asked the question, or someone did, do you want to play two quarterbacks? And he said no. Yeah. It was no. So a lot happened from the 1st of August until the end of August. Because as August went on, the answer changed a tad bit and now here we are three games into the season you make the quarterback change so i'm sure it's a little bit of both ian book continuing to impress in fall practice and who knows those two media sessions where brandon struggled was that more of the norm throughout practices we didn't see or were those just a couple of days with hiccups? As we sit here today not knowing the answer the best guess is maybe there was more ups and downs of Brandon Winbush than we ever expected. Well, the which uh, opened the door for Ian who took advantage. Right. The the day that really caught my attention and I think I mm-hmm. mentioned to you, I can't you remember did. if you were there or not that day. You were there one of the two days cuz you were sitting next to me, but this is one where they had a drill where Tommy Reese was simulating pressure on the quarterback where he kind of came at the quarterback with his hands up. I was not there that game. Okay. Or practice. And Brandon had to throw the ball to a receiver that was in the same spot every time through that drill. And I saw him do it four times. One was in the ground. One was over the receiver's head. One was so far to his right. One was that none of them were even close to being in the same spot with the same pattern, the same pressure. Book did it all four passes within four inches of each other, kind of perfectly thrown. That rattled my vision of Brandon Wimbush mm-hmm. uh, seeing that. And then there was, uh, they were thrown into a net and there was a target within the net and there was one pass without any pressure where Brandon missed the net completely. Now we all have, you know, like pitchers throw it to the backstop. Golf. Yeah. Yeah. Golf. There's always kind of those things, but, but that was the one drill where I kind of went, whoa, am I maybe, overestimating Brandon's progress here. And maybe underestimating Ian because of what we've been told. Right, and what we have been told. The thing I I will give Brandon a lot of credit for is he did everything in the offseason that the coaching staff asked. But when it comes down, you know, came down to game time, especially those second, third games, and again, I don't think that the game plan helped him in game two. It did not. But... He wasn't a dynamic passer in those games, and 
he needed to be in those games. Chip Long's an RPO play caller, and Ian Book, after one game, appears to be much more effective in that style of play compared to Wimbush. He is right. much more decisive, reading defenses in the pass game, delivering the ball on time, and throwing the ball extremely accurate. He's and also I think it makes Chip more comfortable calling plays. He's also better at getting defensive coordinators fired because <laughs> when forced fired their defensive coordinator after that game. I'm not sure what that means. Well, it was a unique game plan, to say the least. I don't understand it because it played right into Ian's hands, which is great. And you know what? He took advantage. He absolutely took advantage of what they tried to do that day. And good for him after a little bit of a slow start. Didn't panic, settled in, got comfortable, did the job. I mean, that's the first time in three games they hadn't scored in the opening possession. It took them the fourth drive to score. So at one point you're thinking, well... And then he got going, looked comfortable, and there was a penalty, and there were a couple of drops that prevented him from having more success early, too. He he also ran the ball very well. He had three rushing touchdowns, which was impressive. Now, again, Wake Forest defense. Because he's the, the blue zone quarterback, Eric. You should know that. That's his specialty. <laughs> the red, white, and blue zone. Am I right? The blue's inside the five. Yes. Yes. All right. So, we'll see I'm, I'm on Saturday. It, I think that if I'm David Shaw, I'm thinking Ian Book is going to play pretty much the whole game. I would have to think so. Now, he got a little surprised last year because Malik Zaire got in the Stanford game. That gave me a headache. Or That was two years ago at, at, at Notre Dame Stadium. Dame. That yeah. gave me a headache. Yeah. Because I was kind of all in on Deshaun at that point. All right, 29 minutes in front of the top of the hour. Eric Hansen, Fighting Irish Football Insider for the South Bend Tribune. I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up next, Eric asked Brian Kelly today about running back Dexter Williams. I guess we believe he'll be back and ready to play this week after not playing the first four weeks. So if he plays, what type of role could he have? You'll hear from Brian Kelly, and we'll kick that Question around as well in just a couple of moments. Sports Beat Tonight brought to you by Budweiser, Signal Point, and Legacy Heating and Air on 961. 96.1 WSBT Sports Center Update. I'm Darren Pritchett with this Sports Center Update. Brian Kelly publicly didn't announce a starting quarterback today during his noon press conference, but the expectation is Ian Book will get his second consecutive start as the eighth ranked Fighting Irish take on number seven Stanford at Notre Dame Stadium this Saturday at 7.30. All the action on WSBT Radio. Also, looks like there's a competition brewing at right guard between Tommy Kramer and Trevor Rulin. We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. The baseball pennant races continue on. The Cubs and the Pirates play at Wrigley Field tonight at 8.05 with Mike Montgomery taking the hill for Chicago. They lead the Brewers by a game and a half for the top spot in the National League Central. It's Milwaukee at St. Louis tonight at 8 o'clock. And that is a look at your Sports Center update from 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Notre Dame takes on Stanford Saturday. Our coverage starts at 2, kickoff at 7.30 on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. We continue on on this Tuesday evening. It is 23 minutes in front of the top of the hour. I'm Darren Pritchett with Sean, Sean Stiers. Eric Hansen, the Fighting Irish football insider for the South Bend Tribune. What I was going to say next was... Sean Steyers and Reggie Brooks will be hosting the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game. 
here on WSBT Radio. I had it in my notes here. I was looking at it, and I was so excited to tell everybody about that. You became Sean Styers for a moment. World-renowned broadcaster. Oh, all right. Not that you are not already, but now you are by your nameplate. Mr. Hansen is ready to talk about Dexter Williams. We'll get into the right guard conversation as our game week coverage of Notre Dame and Stanford continues here on WSBT Radio. Tomorrow's program, a busy second hour. The president of Countdown to Kickoff on WNDU. Saturday evening at 6.30, Chuck Freebie will join us for a conversation and also... R.J. Abetita from Stanford's 24-7 website, thebootleg.com, will join us to talk about the Cardinal led by K.J. Costello and Bryce Love. Who will have the better game on Saturday? Who will get the most love, Julian or Bryce? If it's Julian, that's a really good sign for the men in the gold helmets. So, Dexter Williams is next up on our conversation list. The senior running back has not played over the first four games. If you have been listening to our program through the spring and the summer and the fall, you have heard Eric talk about what he wrote about in the South Bend Tribune. It was his belief that Dexter Williams was suspended for the first four games of the year, a university-imposed suspension. And so four games are in the books, and now there is the expectation that Dexter could be a part of the Irish offense once again when they take the field against Stanford this Saturday. So a little background on Dexter Williams, just to refresh yourself on the senior. Three years at Notre Dame, 641 rushing yards. Last year, he ran the ball 39 times for 360 yards and four touchdowns. Eric asked Brian Kelly today about Dexter Williams' readiness this Saturday and how he might fit into the offense. And here's what BK had to say. Well, he's been working with us. Uh, he's been practicing. Um, he's been with us. Um, he just, you know, hasn't been up to the level that we want him to. He, he's, he's done a really good job. I, I expect that, you know, this week could be a week that he plays. So we've worked him through... Um, our team periods over the last few weeks, um, you know, whether it be our blitz pickup period or our skelly period. So he's ready to play for us uh, this week if he continues to do what we, we expect him to do. Um, where do I think he fits in? I think he's explosive. Um, I think he gets into the second level and um, he's an explosive back. You know, has he got 20 carries in him this week? Probably not, but, you know, I think he can be integrated within, you know, um, you know, a backfield that um, is emerging and getting better each and every week. But I would, just to answer your question, I think that explosiveness, uh, especially at the second level, I think he, he, adds, um, he adds very nicely to that. Very detailed answer to your question, Mr. Hansen. So how much workload do you expect Dexter to have against the Stanford Cardinal? His career high is eight carries, by the way. I think people don't realize that. You ex probably at some point figure he had a 13-14 carry game. Not the case. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Jafar Armstrong has had eight or more carries in every game that he's played for 
uh, for Notre Dame. Bizarre. Yeah, and Tony Jones, Tony Jones, and Jafar Armstrong through four games have more carries this season than Dexter Williams has ever had in this season. Um, that so, just tells you, other than carrying the football, there are areas of Dexter's game that had to get better. Correct. Some of it's health, some of it's skill set, uh, and some of it's opportunity when Josh Adams was your number one back last year. But um, there's a lot of potential there. I had a chance to talk to Dexter's high school coach today, Bob Head at West Orange High School uh, near Orlando, and he feels like Dexter's head is in a really good place, that you're going to see at least a very determined guy with fresh legs that's going to get um, really help his team. Now, how much, how many carries? I'm guessing maybe five or six, some of it. I mean, if Dexter breaks one and if he Hot picks hands. up a blitz mm-hmm. and blitz pickup, then maybe he gets more. Uh, I think that his teammates would be supportive of that because, as Brian mentioned, he's got a different skill set than the other two. Uh, but... Again, that doesn't mean it's a better skill set all around because Javar Armstrong already has more receptions this season and and so does Tony Jones than Dexter does in his career. So, um, you know, Dexter, I think, is going to help this team. I don't know how much it's going to be Saturday, but I think at some point people are going to be happy that he's back on the active roster. So if Dexter comes People back... People meaning Notre Dame fans. Correct. Dexter comes back, he plays in the game against Stanford, he gets anywhere between five to eight carries. So those are carries taken away from two guys that have improved a lot over the last couple of weeks in Armstrong and Jones. Is there one guy that loses out more than the other? Or do these reps going to Dexter basically get split in half between Tony and Jafar in opportunities lost? I would say that probably Tony Jones, even though he's the leading rusher right now by a few yards, I think Jafar brings a a different dimension than Tony in, in a couple really important areas. He's a power back that can really catch the ball, and Tony's got some nice catches too. But Javar gives you some flexibility from a uh, from a formation standpoint where you can line him up as a wide receiver and people have to defensive coordinators have to take him seriously as a wide receiver. They can't say, ah, it's a running back, let's put a linebacker on him. You put a linebacker in Javar Armstrong, you're in big trouble. Now, again, Tony has done a good job in terms of getting out on wheel routes and things of that nature. So I wouldn't wouldn't rule him off. Maybe Avery Davis is the guy that gets That's, squeezed the most. I just feel like Tony Jones is a really good guy to have on the field on third down. I do too. I mean, there's you. I mean, five point seven yards a carry, five point two yards a carry. Protection's okay. Yeah, protection's okay. Um, there's a lot to like about those two guys, and and you know, people are used to seeing a lead back last year with Josh Adams, but I think this team could maybe operate with a different hero in the running back core every game. And and it's a running game that is getting better and has to continue to get better. They're up to 60th in the country in rushing offense, which is stunningly 59 spots ahead of Stanford. 
They are 119th with Bryce Love on their team. That doesn't seem possible. This feels like when you're a baseball fan and your favorite team is playing a team that has a great player that's cold. Like Bryce Harper early in this year. And you just want him to get out of town because you know he's just going to absolutely catch fire and make up for all that time lost. And when he's hot, he's going to go off for big numbers. You kind of feel Bryce Love is a ticking time bomb right now. You do. I, I think, you know, Notre Dame rush defense isn't ranked as high as it could be right now. Some of that was garbage numbers against Wake yeah. Forest, where their big quarterback, Newman, was in there in the second half against uh, the reserves yeah. and, and got some kind of cheap yardage. But still, I mean, the clock's ticking. That's official yardage. But I think this team, when it really matters, is a good run defense that has the possibility of getting better. And I think resting Tavon Coney as much as they did in that game is going to play big benefit in this game. Without a doubt. As we finish up Irish running back conversation, general thought on the challenge the Stanford defense poses to the Irish rushing attack. We talked a lot about their pass defense yesterday. Maybe a quick thought on their run defense. How do you feel like they stack up against that Irish offensive line and the running back core? Well, they've been they're 38th in the country right now. Um, and having played USC and Oregon already. Now, USC is struggling running the ball, but part of that reason is because they played Stanford. San Diego State ran it good last year. I'm not sure about this year. Right. So 38th is a pretty good number. They're 10th in scoring defense. They turn you over a lot. They're a really good team in terms of turning you over. Um, I I think other than Michigan, it's it'll be the best run defense that they've seen. Um, they were off balance against Oregon in the first half. Yeah. The passing, the running game, Oregon had it all rolling, and Stanford was on their heels. Second half, boy, everything changed. Well, the thing about it is if Notre Dame can be multidimensional in its offense, which it appears to be with Ian Book, it it does make it more difficult for Stanford to gang up on the run. That's what they did last year in the 38-20 win. They said, you know what, we just don't believe Brandon Wimbush is going to be able to beat us with – his arm, we're going to stack the deck against Josh Adams, which they did. Um, And they took their chances with Brandon Wimbush, and eventually that game plan worked out for them. And listening to the Colts-Eagles game Sunday on WSBT Radio, good to see Josh Adams had some carries for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I think he got 30 yards on six carries, so, you know, good for him. And, uh, um, but this... Stanford-Notre Dame game, man, the first game between two top 10 teams at Notre Dame Stadium since the Bush-Push game. That's pretty cool. The only time as a media member I was standing for the final moments of a game. It was so intense. With the Irish running on the field and Charlie's at midfield thinking the Irish won the game, time had ran out. I mean, it was just remarkable. It, It was a... A great novel just unfolding in front of our eyes. Just a highly emotional, stressful, fun thing to watch. And you could just feel the tension in the air from the fans and the game. It was it was a remarkable day at Notre Dame Stadium. And now the rule's been changed. You can legally push a guy. Everything's all good. 11 minutes in front of the top of the hour. My five question of the day. The five ways Ian Book improved the Irish offense Saturday. Eric has answers next on WSBT. 
One question, five answers. This is the My Five Question of the Day on Michiana's Sports Leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT. Eric will answer the five ways quarterback Ian Book improved the Notre Dame offense Saturday. Five answers coming your way. Number one is the top way Book improved the offense. We'll start with number five. Number five is the sync up with the offensive line. They've been getting better. It seemed like they were very comfortable in knowing what Ian was going to do, where he was going to be, and I think that helped them with sustaining their blocks and their assignments. Number four. Alizé Mack. Alizé, this year, going into the Wake Forest game, had six catches. In the Wake Forest game alone, he had six catches. His two career-high games are in Ian Book's two starts. He had six catches against North Carolina last year. So either he likes the state of North Carolina or he likes Ian Book spinning the ball. <laughs> the five ways <laughs> Ian Book improved the Irish offense Saturday, number three. Number three is a hiked passing efficiency. Notre Dame moved from in the hundreds to number 78 and and Ian would be number 14 in the country individually in passing efficiency if he had enough attempts to qualify. He doesn't yet but that was just a really efficient performance. The the best performance by a quarterback in the passing efficiency department since uh, the Navy game in 2016 by Deshaun Kaiser. Hmm. Number two. It was a more more diversity both with plays and personnel. You had a lot of people touching the ball you had a lot more diversity in the different plays that we saw, the way those plays were expressed. Much more difficult for a defense to handle. The five ways quarterback Ian Book improved the Notre Dame offense Saturday. Syncing up with the offensive line, Alizé Max effectiveness, heightened pass efficiency, and diversity with plays and personnel. And more than anything else, Ian Book improved the Notre Dame offense. Here's number one. Points. It was the highest scoring road game uh, in the Brian Kelly era, a true road game of the Brian Kelly era. It, you know, you mentioned it was a slow start, but man, once they got rolling, they rolled right through Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest, again, not a great defense, fired their defensive coordinator, but, uh, you know, 56 points is, is something to marvel at. Drop the mic. 56 points is 56 points. A 56-burger on Eric Hansen's grill in the backyard. It is now four minutes in front of the top of the hour. Here's Eric Hansen with what's coming up in tomorrow's South Bend Tribune Sports Section. Well, I will have all the latest from Notre Dame football, including what to expect from Dexter Williams, which we talked a little bit about here. Go into a little bit more depth with that. What we got here? And, of course, there's always much, much more. Looking forward to finding out what else is in tomorrow's South Bend Tribune sports section. Don't forget on Thursday at noon, another Eric Hansen chat at IndyInsider.com. Eric, thank you. Sean joins me in a moment. It is the top of the hour at WSBT South Bend. Well, it was a unique game plan, to say the least. I don't understand it because it played right into Ian's hands. Which is great. And you know what? He took advantage. He absolutely took advantage of what they tried to do that day. And good for him after a little bit of a slow start. 
Didn't panic, settled in, got comfortable, did the job. I mean, that's the first time in three games they hadn't scored in the opening possession. It took them the fourth drive to right. score. So at one point you're thinking, well, and then he got going, looked comfortable, and there was a penalty, and there were a couple of drops that prevented him from having more success early, too. He, he also ran the ball very well. He had three rushing touchdowns, which was impressive. Now, again, Wake Forest defense. Because he's the... The blue zone quarterback, Eric. You should know that. That's his specialty. <laughs> the red, white, and blue zone. Am I right? The blues inside the five. Yes. Yes. All right. So we'll see I'm, I'm on Saturday. It, I, I think that if I'm David Shaw, I'm thinking Ian Book is going to play pretty much oh. the whole game. I would have to think so. Now, he got a little surprise last year because Malik Zaire got in the Stanford game. That gave me a headache. Or that was two years ago at at, at Notre Dame Stadium. That yeah. gave me a headache. Yeah. Because I was kind of all in on Deshaun at that point. All right, 29 minutes in front of the top of the hour. Eric Hansen, Finding Hours Football Insider for the South Bend Tribune. I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up next, Eric asked Brian Kelly today about running back Dexter Williams. I guess... We believe he'll be back and ready to play this week after not playing the first four weeks. So if he plays, what type of role could he have? You'll hear from Brian Kelly, and we'll kick that question around as well in just a couple of moments. Sports Beat Tonight brought to you by Budweiser, Signal Point, and Legacy Heating and Air on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Take us with you in and out of the car. Download the free WSBT radio app from the iTunes or Droid app store. Listen live anywhere. FIFA Brady's two for 20. Now with steak and even more options to love. Pick a starter to share, then choose two entrees like our new Choice Cut Sirloin. All for 20 bucks. Beefo Brady's 2 for 20. What'll you choose? Choose Beef's 2 for 20 and Beefo Brady's of Granger. Every Wednesday night at 7 is team trivia. If you're planning a party, Beef's private party room is seating for up to 50 people. Perfect for any event. Good food, good sports. See you at Beef's. Beefo Brady's at the corner of State Road 23 and Bittersweet in Granger. Hey folks, Dave here. For months I've been telling you about the complimentary dental implant consultation from my friend, Dr. Jeff Mater. I've also been telling you about the great benefits of dental implants. Well, now you can hear from Dr. Mater's patient, Sonia. Thanks, Dave. You know, after some initial hesitation on my part, I made the decision to get dental implants. My experience at Dr. Mater's office was great. He took the time to explain the entire procedure to me so that I could feel comfortable right from the beginning. Everything went smoothly without a hitch, and I was more than pleased at the results. I remember getting very emotional when Dr. Mater handed me a mirror so that I could see his beautiful work. I wholeheartedly recommend Dr. Mater and his staff for everyone's dental needs. I know for me, it was the best decision I could have made for my health. Thanks, Sonia. For over 25 years, Dr. Mater has helped thousands of patients in Michiana get back to health. To schedule your complimentary dental implant consultation, call today, 271-9000, and tell them Dave sent you. If you're in an auto accident, whether it's a major crash or minor fender bender, put your mind at ease by taking your car to Bill's Collision Service in Middlebury. In addition to doing quality work to restore your car to its pre-accident condition, Bill's will take care of preparing the estimates, filing the insurance claims, and even helping you find alternate transportation. 
In addition to doing quality collision repair, Bills has built a great reputation on performing routine maintenance, including oil changes, alignments, brakes, and exhaust work. They even do detailing and auto glass repair. Have your car, truck, or van looking its best and ready to perform daily. Schedule an appointment by calling Bills at 574-825-2965. Bills Collision on U.S. Highway 20, just west of State Road 13 in Middlebury. Bills Collision will get you out of the picture. At Eurasia Import Specialist, their goal is customer satisfaction. Their ASE certified technicians have over 40 years of experience. So whether it's routine maintenance, major repairs, or performance upgrades, you can have peace of mind when you take your car to Eurasia Import Specialist. Visit them on Bittersweet Road in Granger, Facebook, or on the web at eaistech.com. That's eaistech.com. Eurasia Import Specialist. Quality service and repair on European and Asian vehicles. Call Legacy Heating and Air to get a system at 0% financing for 36 months and up to $1,550 in rebates. Now, the WSBT forecast. Showers and storms likely tonight. Some of the storms could be strong, mainly from about 8 p.m. until 1 a.m. Lows will fall into the middle 50s. For tomorrow, a few showers possible early, then partly cloudy, cooler highs in the low 60s. Mostly clear and cool tomorrow night with a low of 43. And on Thursday, mostly sunny skies with a high of 66. On WSBT 22, meteorologist Abby Wepler. WSBT Sports Center update. I'm Darren Pritchett with this Sports Center update. Brian Kelly publicly didn't announce a starting quarterback today during his noon press conference, but the expectation is Ian Book will get his second consecutive start as the eighth ranked Fighting Irish take on number seven Stanford at Notre Dame Stadium this Saturday at 7.30. All the action on WSBT Radio. Also, looks like there's a competition brewing at right guard between Tommy Kramer and Trevor Rulin. We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. The baseball pennant races continue on. The Cubs and the Pirates play at Wrigley Field tonight at 8.05 with Mike Montgomery taking the hill for Chicago. They lead the Brewers by a game and a half for the top spot in the National League Central. It's Milwaukee at St. Louis tonight at 8 o'clock. And that is a look at your Sports Center update from 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Notre Dame takes on Stanford Saturday. Our coverage starts at 2, kickoff at 7.30 on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. We continue on on this Tuesday evening. It is 23 minutes in front of the top of the hour. I'm Darren Pritchett with Sean, Sean Stiers. Eric Hansen, the Fighting Irish football insider for the South Bend Tribune. What I was going to say next was... Sean Steyers and Reggie Brooks will be hosting the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game here on WSBT Radio. I had it in my notes here. I was looking at it, and I was so excited to tell everybody about that. You became Sean Steyers for a moment. World-renowned broadcaster. Oh, all right. Not that you are not already, but now you are by your nameplate. Mr. Hansen is ready to talk about Dexter Williams. We'll get into the right guard conversation as our game week coverage of Notre Dame and Stanford continues here on WSBT Radio. Tomorrow's program, a busy second hour. The president of 
Countdown to Kickoff on WNDU. Saturday evening at 6.30, Chuck Freebie will join us for a conversation. And also, R.J. Abetita from Stanford's 24-7 website, thebootleg.com, will join us to talk about the Cardinal led by K.J. Costello and Bryce Love. Who will have the better game on Saturday? Who will get the most love, Julian or Bryce? If it's Julian, that's a really good sign for the men in the gold helmets. So, Dexter Williams is next up on our conversation list. The senior running back has not played over the first four games. If you have been listening to our program through the spring and the summer and the fall, you have heard Eric talk about what he wrote about in the South Bend Tribune. It was his belief that Dexter Williams was suspended for the first four games of the year, a university-imposed suspension. And so four games are in the books, and now there is the expectation that Dexter could be a part of the Irish offense once again when they take the field against Stanford this Saturday. So a little background on Dexter Williams, just to refresh yourself on the senior. Three years at Notre Dame, 641 rushing yards last year. He ran the ball 39 times for 360 yards and four touchdowns. Eric asked Brian Kelly today about Dexter Williams' readiness this Saturday and how he might fit into the offense, and here's what BK had to say. Well, he's been working with us. Uh, He's been practicing. Um, He's been with us. Um, He just... You know, hasn't been up to the level that we want him to. He, he's he's done a really good job. I, I expect that you know this week could be a week that he plays. So, we've worked him through um, our team periods over the last few weeks. Um, you know, whether it be our blitz pickup period or our Skelly period. So, he's ready to play for us uh, this week if he continues to do what we, we expect him to do. Um, where do I think he fits in? I think he's explosive. Um, I think he gets into the second level, and um, he's an explosive back. Um, you know, has he got 20 carries in him this week? Probably not, but, you know, I think he can be integrated within, you know, um, you know a backfield that um, is emerging and getting better each and every week. But I would, just to answer your question, I think that explosiveness, uh, especially at the second level, I think he, he adds... Um, He adds very nicely to that. Very detailed answer to your question, Mr. Hanson. So how much workload do you expect Dexter to have against the Stanford Cardinal? His career high is eight carries, by the way. I think people don't realize that. You probably at some point figure he had a 13-14 carry game. Not the case. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Jafar Armstrong has had eight or more carries in every game that he's played for. Uh, for Notre Dame's bizarre, yeah, and Tony Jones, Tony Jones, and Jafar Armstrong through four games have more carries this season than Dexter Williams has ever had in this season. Um, that so, just tells you, other than carrying the football, there are areas of Dexter's game that had to get better. Correct. Some of it's health, some of it's skill set, uh, and some of it's opportunity when Josh Adams was your number one back last year, but um, there's a lot of potential there. I had a chance to talk to Dexter's high school coach today, Bob Head at West Orange High School uh, near Orlando, and 
he feels like Dexter's head is in a really good place, that you're going to see at least a very determined guy with fresh legs that's going to get um, really help his team. Now, how much, how many carries? I'm guessing maybe five or six, some of it. I mean, if Dexter breaks one and if he Hot picks hands. up a blitz mm-hmm. and blitz pickup, then maybe he gets more. Uh, I think that his teammates would be supportive of that because, as Brian mentioned, he's got a different skill set than the other two. Uh, but, again, that doesn't mean it's a better skill set all around because Javar Armstrong already has more receptions this season and so does Tony Jones than Dexter does in his career. So, um, you know, Dexter, I think, is going to help this team. I don't know how much it's going to be Saturday, but I think at some point people are going to be happy that he's back on the active roster. So if Dexter comes people back... People meaning Notre Dame fans. Correct. Dexter comes back, he plays in the game against Stanford, he gets anywhere between five to eight carries... So those are carries taken away from two guys that have improved a lot over the last couple of weeks in Armstrong and Jones. Is there one guy that loses out more than the other? Or do these reps going to Dexter basically get split in half between Tony and Jafar in opportunities lost? I would say that probably... Tony Jones, even though he's the leading rusher right now by a few yards, I think Jafar brings a a different dimension than Tony in in a couple really important areas. He's a power back that can really catch the ball, and Tony's got some nice catches too. But Jafar gives you some flexibility from uh, from a formation standpoint where you can line him up as a wide receiver and people have to... Defensive coordinators have to take him seriously as a wide receiver. They can't say, ah, it's a running back. Let's put a linebacker on him. You put a linebacker on Jafar Armstrong, you're in big trouble. Now, again, Tony has done a good job in terms of getting out on wheel routes and things of that nature. So I wouldn't wouldn't rule him off. Maybe Avery Davis is the guy that gets That's, squeezed the most. I just feel like Tony Jones is a really good guy to have on the field on third down. I do, too. I mean, there's... you. you I mean, 5.7 yards a carry, 5.2 yards a carry. Protection's okay. Yeah, protection's okay. Um, there's a lot to like about those two guys. And, and you know, people are used to seeing a lead back last year with Josh Adams. But I, I think this team could maybe operate with a different hero in the running back core every game. And, and it, it's a running game that is getting better and has to continue to get better. They're up to 60th in the country in rushing offense, which is stunningly 59 spots ahead of Stanford. They are 119th with Bryce Love on their team. That doesn't seem possible. This feels like when you're a baseball fan and your favorite team is playing a team that has a great player that's cold. Like Bryce Harper early in this year. And you just want him to get out of town because you know he's just going to absolutely catch fire and make up for all that time lost. And when he's hot, he's going to go off for big numbers. You kind of feel Bryce Love is a ticking time bomb right now. You do. I I think, you know, Notre Dame rush defense isn't ranked as high as it could be right now. Some of that was garbage numbers against Wake Forest where their big quarterback, Newman, 
was in there in the second half against uh, the reserves yeah. and, and got some kind of cheap yardage. But still, I mean, the clock's ticking. That's official yardage. But I think this team, when it really matters, is a good run defense that has the possibility of getting better. And I think resting Tavon Coney as much as they did in that game Huge. is going to play oh. big benefit in this game. Without a doubt. As we finish up Irish running back conversation, general thought on the challenge the Stanford defense poses to the Irish rushing attack. We talked a lot about their pass defense yesterday. Maybe a quick thought on their run defense. How do you feel like they stack up against that Irish offensive line and the running back core? Well, they've been th- they're 38th in the country right now. Um, and having played USC and Oregon already. Now, USC is struggling running the ball, but part of that reason is because they played Stanford. San Diego State ran it good last year. I'm not sure about this year. Right. So, 38th is a pretty good number. They're 10th in scoring defense. They turn you over a lot. They're a really good team in terms of turning you over. Um, I I think, other than Michigan, it's it'll be the best run defense that they've seen. Um, they were off balance against Oregon in the first half. Yeah. The passing, the running game, Oregon had it all rolling, and Stanford was on their heels. Second half, boy, everything changed. Well, the thing about it is if Notre Dame can be multidimensional in its offense, which it appears to be with Ian Book, it it does make it more difficult for Stanford to gang up on the run. That's what they did last year in the 38-20 win. They said, you know what, we just don't believe Brandon Wimbush is going to be able to beat us with – his arm, we're going to stack the deck against Josh Adams, which they did. Um, and they took their chances with Brandon Wimbush, and eventually that game plan worked out for them. And listening to the Colts-Eagles game Sunday on WSBT Radio, good to see Josh Adams had some carries for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I think he got 30 yards on six carries, so, you know, good for him. And, uh, um, but this... Stanford-Notre Dame game, man, the first game between two top 10 teams at Notre Dame Stadium since the Bush-Push game. That's pretty cool. The only time as a media member I was standing for the final moments of a game. It was so intense. With the Irish running on the field and Charlie's at midfield thinking the Irish won the game, time had ran out. I mean, it was just remarkable. It, It was a... A great novel just unfolding in front of our eyes. Just a highly emotional, stressful, fun thing to watch. And you could just feel the tension in the air from the fans and the game. It was it was a remarkable day at Notre Dame Stadium. And now the rule's been changed. You can legally push a guy. Everything's all good. 11 minutes in front of the top of the hour. My five question of the day. The five ways Ian Book improved the Irish offense Saturday. Eric has answers next on WSBT. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? When you work with Matt Stem, your Michiana Edward Jones financial advisor, he focuses on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And you'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact Matt Stem today. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
Come on over to Scotty's Brew House at 4340 North Main Street in Mishawaka for their $3 domestic or $4 craft beer pint specials. Available all day, every day. Scotty's Brew House is a Michigan home of crispy hot chicken wings, fresh hand-patted hamburgers, and if the Colts score two touchdowns on Sunday, you can score two for one at Scotty's. Buy any food menu item and get another of equal or lesser value for free through Tuesday after Sunday's game. Scotty's Brew House, proud sponsor of the Indianapolis Colts. The South End Tribune and Michiana.jobs' best places to work 2018 continues. Nominations are in and it's time to vote. Log on to Michiana.jobs and view all employers nominated in eight different categories of employee engagement. Vote to acknowledge that your employer is one of the best in the area. Voting takes place between now and September 30th. So go to Michiana.jobs and cast your vote now. Presented by Best Places to Work 2018 nominee, WellPet. With the kids back in school, you're probably not thinking about keeping your home warm yet this winter, but Legacy is offering a great incentive to put you in the mood. 0% financing for 36 months, plus up to $1,550 in rebates. Save up to $1,550 in rebates and have years to pay for a new system interest-free. Legacy Heating and Air is the exclusive American-made Dyke and Comfort Pro in the area, but this offer ends soon. So go to LegacyHeatingAndAir.com for more information. Legacy Heating and Air, the home of the on-time care. A Cook Family Business. Avoid the stress, call AIS, auto import specialists. Buying a used car can be stressful, so who do you trust? Auto Import Specialist. They have a simple and stress-free buying experience. Auto Import Specialist also offers financing even if your credit is less than perfect. If you're in the market for a vehicle, check out their wide selection at AISAutoCare.com. Avoid the stress, call AIS, auto import Hi, this is Rob Fisher from Fisher's Tips and Chips Barbecue. Whether you're watching the game at home or tailgating by the stadium, Fisher's Barbecue can cater your event with a variety of delicious, mouth-watering, smoke-to-perfection, Italian sausage, pulled pork, rib tips, and more, including side dishes and desserts. Mm-mm. For more information, stop in at 3135 South 11th Street in Niles, next door to the State Line Dairy Queen, or online at fishersbbq.net. The WSBT forecast. Showers and storms likely tonight. Some of the storms could be strong, mainly from about 8 p.m. until 1 a.m. Lows will fall into the middle 50s. For tomorrow, a few showers possible early, then partly cloudy, cooler highs in the low 60s. Mostly clear and cool tomorrow night with a low of 43. And on Thursday, mostly sunny skies with a high of 66. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Question of the Day on Michiana's Sports Leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT. Eric will answer the five ways quarterback Ian Book improved the Notre Dame offense Saturday. Five answers coming your way. Number one is the top way Book improved the offense. We'll start with number five. Number five is the sync up with the offensive line. They've been getting better it seemed like they were very comfortable in knowing what Ian was going to do, where he was going to be, and I think that helped them with sustaining their blocks and their assignments. Number four. Alizé Mack. Alizé, this year, going into the Wake Forest game, had six catches. In the Wake Forest game alone, he had six catches. His two career-high games 
are in Ian Book's two starts. He had six catches against North Carolina last year. So either he likes the state of North Carolina or he likes Ian Book spinning the ball. <laughs> the, the five ways <laughs> Ian Book improved the Irish offense Saturday, number three. Number three is a hiked passing efficiency. Notre Dame moved from in the hundreds to number 78 and and Ian would be number 14 in the country individually in passing efficiency if he had enough attempts to qualify. He doesn't yet but that was just a really efficient performance. The the best performance by a quarterback in the passing efficiency department since uh, the Navy game in 2016 by Deshaun Kaiser. Hmm. Number two. It was a more more diversity both with plays and personnel. You had a lot of people touching the ball you had a lot more diversity in the different plays that we saw, the way those plays were expressed. Much more difficult for a defense to handle. The five ways quarterback Ian Book improved the Notre Dame offense Saturday. Syncing up with the offensive line, Alizé Max effectiveness, heightened pass efficiency, and diversity with plays and personnel. And more than anything else, Ian Book improved the Notre Dame offense. Here's number one. Points. It was the highest scoring road game uh, in the Brian Kelly era. True road game of the Brian Kelly era. It, you know, you mentioned it was a slow start, but man, once they got rolling, they rolled right through Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest again, not a great defense. Fired their defensive coordinator, but uh, you know, fifty-six points is is something to marvel at. Drop the mic. Fifty-six points is 56 points. A 56 burger on Eric Hansen's grill in the backyard. It is now four minutes in front of the top of the hour at 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. September is Hunger Action Month. It's time to donate, volunteer, advocate, educate. It's time to wear your orangiest orange and ask others to join you. Hunger exists in every community in the United States. It's time to start a real conversation about hunger in our community. It's time to share these sobering statistics. One in six adults, one in four children goes hungry in our community every day. It's time that we all play a role in ending hunger. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The cool, crisp fall mornings remind us that winter is not far away. Have your car ready to perform with a trip to Kyle's Auto Repair for a complete checkup of its brakes, hoses, belts, battery, tires, alignment, and antifreeze. Routine maintenance now will help eliminate bigger problems, major inconveniences, and huge expenses later. Kyle's also recommends a cooling system flush and timely oil changes. Schedule your appointment. Call 255-6152. That's Kyle's Auto Repair on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, just west of Capitol, where honesty and integrity still count. Nothing better than award-winning jumbo wings and an ice-cold schooner while you watch great sports programming on huge flat screens at Wings Etc. Grill and Pub. If you love wings and a whole menu of great food and drink options, come to Wings Etc. for lunch, dinner, late-night drinks and snacking, and lots of HDTV sports. And now, when you can't eat, drink, and watch the game here, order online for pickup at togo.wingsetc.com. It's fast, easy, and convenient. Wings Etc. Grill and Pub. Good food, great times, and online ordering at togo.wingsetc.com. To experience relief from muscle cramps and soreness, use TheraWorks Relief. This fast-acting foam is proven to prevent and relieve foot and leg cramps. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens Pharmacies or TheraWorksRelief.com. 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 job boards with just one click, and then their smart matching technology finds the right candidates. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash CBS News. Noted author, former chief medical correspondent, and Salon Pass user, Dr. Bob Arnott. The human body has billions of pain receptors. Block those receptors with the anesthetics found in Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus, and you'll have relief. Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus contains two anesthetics, including the maximum strength lidocaine available without a prescription. They numb aggravated nerves for effective, lasting relief. For relief, try what I use, Salon Pass Lidocaine Plus. In the silver box with the blue wave. The national debt is now over $20 trillion. What happens next? Rising inflation drops in the dollar's value. Some experts say another crash is coming. You can fight this, not with stocks or bonds, but with gold and silver coins in an IRA from Augusta Precious Metals. Call 855-858-5807 and learn how an IRA backed by physical gold and silver can hedge against inflation. Call Augusta Precious Metals right now at 855-858-5807 and get a free gold IRA guide. Call 855-858-5807. Here's Eric Hansen with what's coming up in tomorrow's South Bend Tribune Sports Section. Well, I will have all the latest from Notre Dame football, including what to expect from Dexter Williams, which we talked a little bit about here. Go into a little bit more depth with that. What we got here? And of course, there's always much, much more. Looking forward to finding out what else is in tomorrow's South Bend Tribune Sports Section. Don't forget on Thursday... At noon, another Eric Hansen chat at IndyInsider.com. Eric, thank you. Sean joins me in a moment. It is the top of the hour at WSBT South Bend. This is Matthias Farley, and don't miss a minute of every Colts game right here on your home for the Colts. 96-1 WSBT South Bend, the sports leader. Michiana's Sports Leader 96.1 WSBT presents Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. And the give to Armstrong. Touchdown, Iris. Tavon Coney with the sack. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Tony Jones knocked into the air and intercepted by Jalen Elliott. Big Jerry Tillery with the sack. Wimbush rolls out, fires to the end zone for Chris Fink. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Here are your hosts, Darren Pritchett and Sean Styers. Hello, friends. It is six minutes after the top of the hour. Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser Signal Point, Niles, Michigan, and Legacy Hitting and Air. He's Sean Styers. I'm Darren Pritchett, both at our WSBT studios on this Tuesday evening. It is a game week for the eighth-ranked Fighting Irish, the undefeated Brian Kelly's squad will take on number seven Stanford Saturday at 7.30 on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Eric Sean and I will have Budweiser's game day sports beat live from the stadium starting at 4 o'clock. Media session today for Brian Kelly at noon. He talked quarterbacks, didn't name a starter. We'll declare Ian Book the starter, I guess, right? <laughs> I, mean, I think we get that privilege, don't we? We'll just we to declare that, Ian Book the starter. Make that call. And if it's Brandon, we just had a late change in the last hour between the end of game day and the start of the game. There you go. We'll just do that. I mean, I, I don't... We, we kind of... I know you and Eric have talked a little about this. I, I, I don't know how you 
have a quarterback come in and have the kind of performance that he had, and then you're going to go back to the other guy. <laughs> I don't know how Ian Book isn't the starter, but I don't know. I don't know. Eric's walking by right now. I think he has answers he to all these questions. <laughs> he does. He's shaking his head. Uh, hypothetical. Hypothetical. I wonder if you're a quarterback in high school, if you watch this closely, knowing that this could be you sometime. And you look at the history of how quarterback changes have occurred a lot at Notre Dame. I just wonder if you worry about that. But let me also add this. You turn on the TV. You look at Alabama. You look at Georgia, you look at Clemson, have all used two quarterbacks this year, right? Yeah. Alabama, when they're up 50 to nothing, of course, the number two quarterback's going to play. Yeah. But I think it is becoming more reality. So I think I answer my own question by saying, yeah, I look at the situation, but you look across college football, quarterbacks are playing all over the place. Changes are occurring. I mean, this is on a much smaller scale. But we all talk about Old Dominion stunning Virginia Tech 49-35. I don't know if most people know, Old Dominion's starting quarterback was benched after the first series. That was the number two quarterback I that put up 49 that. on Virginia Tech. LaRusso was his name. Wow. And watching the fourth quarter, I didn't know LaRusso was the backup until the announcer started talking about, yeah, the starter was benched after the first series. I'm like, what? The number two quarterback at Old Dominion just sliced and diced Virginia Tech's defense. So... I think the partial answer to my question is, hey, we're in college football two-quarterback mode now. It's a different world. Yeah. The Old Dominion thing seems like a little bit different, though, since you're benching a guy mid-game. and A two-star for a one-star? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Riding somebody else. I, we, you know, and we, we talked about this before the season started. These are two different guys. Not player. Have you ever been ridden? <laughs> Sorry, you said that. You the set raft. me up. I guess so. Um, <laughs> Sorry what about was that. I saying? I don't know. It was going to be brilliant I as a world-class broadcaster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I hear. I've got that new title. You do. <laughs> you new do. distinction. But you were talking about the old Dominion quarterbacks. <laughs> I, and, you know, these are two guys <laughs> with, with two different skill sets, Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush. <sighs> so if you go back to... To Leak and, and Tebow, for example, at Florida, as we've talked about it, it made sense to have a package for Tim Tebow when Chris Leak was still the starting quarterback. He could do some things in the red zone. But then we came into this season, and we've talked all along about how between the two guys, Book and Wimbush, Wimbush seemed like the guy who was more suited for a red zone package. But as it turned out, he was the starter. Book got some red zone reps blue zone in this case and it just i i think we've just kind of been knocked off our axis ever since august 23rd something when, like that when we got those first comments from brian kelly about wimbush can't uh spin it like book and book can't run it like wimbush so and here we are yeah good reco good recovery <laughs> after i screwed you up that's all right <laughs> All right, we got Brian Driscoll from Blue and Gold Illustrated coming up in about nine minutes here on WSBT Radio. A couple of sound bites from BK from his press conference today. Eric asked Brian Kelly about the quarterback roles for this week. Again, he did not name Ian Book the starter, but that is the assumption. 
Yeah, I think we're both going to prepare. They're both going to prepare the way they have. Um, and and look, it's it's important that 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 everybody knows that both of these quarterbacks can win football games for us. That's the most important thing. And so, as coaches, we have to keep both of them sharp. You know, that's that's the challenge is making sure that during the week of our preparation that they're both sharp. And you know, we got a lot of work to do each and every week to make sure that that happens in terms of making sure that they get the right looks in the red zone and short yardage and third down and long and blitz packages. So it's a lot of work during the week, but we'll make sure both of them are ready. Okay. So everybody's involved. Everybody's having fun in practice. Everybody's yeah. doing this and that. Well, the reps are 50-50, right? Well, I just wonder if it's 60-40 book now. Wouldn't you think so? I mean, if we went into last week's game, and I'm just quoting the head coach, or I'm paraphrasing, we needed two quarterbacks. We need two quarterbacks to win this game. Well, you needed one in a mop-up duty from Phil Jakovic. So now we're hearing, well, we're getting both guys prepared, and it's just to the point where if Ian Book is 80% of the quarterback he was on Saturday... It's interesting to see what role Brandon Wimbush has going forward. Yeah, I, I know agree. you got to keep him ready. You got to keep him motivated. I mean, I totally get that, but I don't see what the advantage is by not saying Ian Book's my guy. Well, I guess the, the because the, we were Brandon Wimbush was my guy for three weeks. I get what you're saying. Well, was he really the guy though? Because Publicly. I mean, because again, you Publicly. go back. You go back to yeah. Did he? Did he? Did he come out and say Wimbush is the starter? I, I mean, I can't even oh, remember. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean... I'm not sure every week, but he has right. said that during game weeks. Because we've heard, uh, again, going back to last month when those first comments came out, we've heard both guys can help us win. And it, gradually it became... You're, you know, both guys are... up Leading up to last week, it became both guys are going to play. And we had seen both guys play, though. In every game, the first three games, and and we were you know sort of called out last week. Well, what's the big deal? Because they've both played so far. Well, there's a a big difference between averaging two snaps a game, <laughs> or two and a half, three, whatever it was, and going out there and having the kind mm -hmm. of day that Ian Book did as a starting quarterback, not brought in off the bench, but as the starting quarterback, just the second time in his career, and to have that kind of day, there's there's a big difference now. But again, he's really not saying anything differently today no. than he said last week when he True. was saying both guys are going to... He's just packaging True. it a, a little bit differently today. But also, they <laughs> didn't both play on Saturday. No, th and that's and that's exactly it, which is interesting because he kept saying both guys are going to play, but both didn't play, and will they really play now? And and to me, that's that's kind of one of the bigger questions because they found a role for Ian Book... And whether they knew it was leading mm -hmm. up to last week or not, but they j just weren't letting it on, they found a role for uh, a role for Ian Book. They got him on the field. Maybe it was just kind of getting used to to running on the field and getting some of those jitters out. And we heard a little bit more of an explanation over the weekend about we couldn't we we, we had to have Brandon Wimbush against Michigan because of the inexperience with the receivers and the running backs. And and I agree with that. They needed they needed Brandon Wimbush. And it specifically, yeah. I think, his running game to beat Michigan. I don't think they were going to beat Michigan with Ian Book on the field because of a lot of that inexperience. But where they are now, I can see it both ways. You are still preparing 
for at least record-wise and ranking-wise, the best team you're going to see the rest of the season. So if you if you cloak it mm-hmm. a little bit, do whatever is to your team's advantage, I can, I can see that for this week. Now, if things go well again and they beat Stanford, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to, to keep up with this whole thing. Just come out and say who your starting quarterback is going forward. Here's Brian Kelly today on his quarterback choices. I don't think that we've ever been interchangeable. I think that their skill sets, and I think I've been pretty clear on this from preseason camp, our first press conference together, is that they they complement each other. But I don't think that they have the same skill sets. They're 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 different in that sense. Uh, our offense allows for both of them to operate quite easy within the playbook. So what's installed within our offense? We're not going into a whole new chapter and verse, if you will, to uh, play call for one versus the other. So, you know, we, we're, we're, as I said to, to, to Eric's question, we have to prepare them both, and, and we like plays for one versus the other, and, and we'll call the game accordingly. So we have to prepare them accordingly during the week. And you have to prepare them both because if an injury happens, dot, dot, dot. Well, and that's, that's also a part of the conversation. And that's, I, I keep seeing all this stuff from, from fans. And, and, and I get, we, we all know that Brandon Wimbush, how dynamic he is as a runner. But if, let's assume Ian Book is the starting quarterback the rest of the way, because I keep seeing this, well, well, if Wimbush is your best runner, then why don't you find a way to get him on the field along with Ian Book? I mean, he's the number two quarterback. You mm-hmm. can't just put him out there on the field. He's still got to be the number two quarterback, because as we talked about last week, and I can't remember how much we hit on the air, Phil Jakovic is the scout team quarterback right now. Brian Kelly Mm -hmm. said that in one of his press conferences within the last week. He's the scout team quarterback. He's not even learning the offense right now. He probably ran more of the offense in those garbage time plays that he had Saturday than he has in a while because he's the scout team guy right now. He's He's not ready to be a number two guy if something should happen to either Book or Wimbush right now. Okay, we'll keep the quarterback conversation going, at least for a couple of more minutes when we bring Brian Driscoll on from Blue and Gold Illustrated. He's going to be our next guest, but we have to get to break right now. It is 6-18. Sean and Darren with you. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat presented by Budweiser Legacy Heating and Air and Signal Point out of Niles, Michigan. Along with Sean Styers, I'm Darren Pritchett. Every Tuesday at this time, we speak with Brian Driscoll from Blue and Gold Illustrated to get his thoughts on the previous Irish game. And I'm sure we'll throw in a couple of Stanford questions with the big top 10 matchup coming up Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. Brian, good evening to you. How are you today? Ready to uh, finish up Vanderbilt grades and get ready for Stanford breakdown. Well, since you mentioned grades, I guess we can get into a little more conversation on the quarterback position. Ian Book is the starting quarterback. When we talked last Tuesday, I guess we all assumed it was still going to be Brandon Wimbush, but Book, a part of that 566 yards of total offense, the Irish put up against a struggling Wake Forest defense. 
as you rewatched the game and you evaluated Ian Book, how much better do you think the Irish offense got? And I, I'm going to preface up by saying, Brian, we all know Wake Forest defense is not as good as Stanford, for example, and some of the elite teams in college football. So as you try to balance how Wake Forest is personnel-wise to how good Ian played, what do you come up with? Well, look, Wake Forest is a bad defense. We we all know that. They, Notre Dame had Thank 710 <laughs> yards against them last year. But what Ian and the offense did on Saturday is what you're supposed to do when you're a really good team going against a bad offense. You know, you can't punish him because they were bad. He completed His adjusted completion rate was over 80% in that game, which is really impressive. And what he does that mean read, for the average fan, Brian? Out. What does so, adjusted so mean? So an adjusted completion percentage is essentially you don't count throwaways and drop passes. Okay. And so, you know, things that aren't on the quarterback. And so his normal completion rate was 73%. They had three drops in the game and a throwaway, which took that over 80%, which is incredibly efficient in the game. Made the good reads, got the ball out quickly, and, and look, when you get the ball out quickly, you get your playmakers in space, and they can go make plays after the catch, which is what we saw in the game. Well, Brian, it, it, I, I, that's I, probably the biggest thing I was impressed with was just how quickly he got the ball out and how he hit guys in stride and, and did a lot of that stuff on time with, with the passes. But, the, I mean, the other side of it is almost everything was a short pass. So there wasn't a whole lot downfield past 10 yards, so... How will they have to adjust that, not just this week, but going forward against better defenses you know, to, 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 to suit things, to make the offense run? Well, I think one is you're going to have to continue to run the ball effectively, which is going to set up play-action passes. When you have a quarterback who can't throw the ball downfield quite as well as what we saw with Brandon Wimbush, because, I mean, the, the, the game plan they had against Michigan and the game plan they had against Vanderbilt could not be more different. Right. I mean, when you talk about Michigan was coming out right away, throwing downfield, quarterback runs. This The last two weeks were designed more for this type of quarterback. What I thought Chip Long did a nice job of is everything was short in the first half. Ian, I think, only completed – actually didn't complete a single ball between 10 and 19 yards. But in the third quarter, he came out, Chip Long came out and took some shots deep, which I think was kind of intended for Stanford to say, hey, you know, we, we can do this too. And we saw the completion to Chase Clay pull up the sideline. Uh, the completion of Kevin Austin up the sideline, and then the play-action pass over the top, which was a completion, but it did draw a flag. So um, Ian was 3 of 4 in the game. The numbers were benefited by the fact that guys were wide open. His timing is going to have to improve. And that's the thing is is when you have a quarterback that doesn't have the, the great arm strength that Brandon Wimbush has, you've got to emphasize get the ball out quickly. And, and that's going to be a big thing where Brandon Wimbush could kind of throw late to Chris Fink on a post route against Michigan and still get the ball deep enough to have it right. caught for a touchdown. Brandon can't afford to do that, so he's got to make sure that timing on the deep balls and ball placement is going to be very important, which is, again, what we saw against LSU, right? So he wasn't throwing the ball 50 yards, but he got it out quickly. He got the ball up and allowed Miles Boykin to make two big plays down the field in that game. Listening to Brian's analysis, I feel like I'm tuning into the NFL Network post-Purdue Drew Brees. If he doesn't have arm strength, it's all about timing and accuracy. I'm not trying to compare the two, but you know where I'm going with that. Brian, I guess as a an opposing coach, we'll use Stanford as a prime example. What do you think they will try to take away or expose in Ian Book's game? Is there a part of his game that we don't know about yet that could be a deficiency? 
I, it's what we just talked about. I think, you know, when, when he did practice sports during fall camp, I made a note that part of the reason I felt the offense as it was designed last year works better than Brandon Wimbush is because in the first practice we saw, Brandon attempted more deep balls than Ian attempted in all the open practices combined. Teams are going to see that. They're going to watch the Wake Forest game, and they're going to say, hey, let's do what, what what Michigan does to a lot of teams, which is play press coverage, okay. heat them up, and say, you know, we're not going to allow you to get the ball out quickly to open playmakers. And I think that's a big reason Brian Kelly said after the game, and I was told you know, by some sources behind the scenes that that's why they felt Brandon Wimbush, without question, gave them the best chance against Michigan because you're not going to throw quick game all day against Michigan. You have to have a quarterback that can move and a quarterback that can get the ball over the top of the, of the defense. They don't play anybody like Michigan the rest of the way. So I think that's going to help Ian a little bit, but that's when you take advantage of the fact that you've got 6'4", 6'4", and 6'5", across the board and when you talk about Boykin, Chase Claypool, and Alizé Mack. I'll ask you a two-parter on Wimbush, Brian. One, do you think there's a role for him going forward? We heard Brian Kelly say again today that both guys are going to prepare and both guys are going to be ready. Both guys can help him. So one, one, is there a role for him going forward if Book is the starter? Two, my biggest concern didn't really come into play against Wake Forest. Can they run the ball effectively without Wimbush being in the game plan? Because I felt like they could have just run for 400 yards if they wanted against Wake. But So without his threat, can they continue to run the ball effectively against a team like Stanford or whatever other good defense they happen to face? Well, I think that's a great question, Sean, and, and they're going to have to because the team, good teams are going to be able to take away what you do best, and you have to have something else to hurt teams. Last year it was the run game, and when teams could take that away, Notre Dame at times couldn't throw the ball effectively enough. Now it's teams are going to take away the quick game and the screen game, and can you do other things effectively enough? So I don't know the answer to that yet because, as you said, Wake Forest isn't really good on defense, but we have to keep in mind you're not going to see the power read calls, you know, which is the play where you have like a, a running back going outside and Brandon reads the end and either pulls it and runs inside or hands it off on an outside sweep. We're not going to see the quarterback outside zones and the quarterback counters like we saw with Brandon. You're going to see read zones, but that's where the RPO, the run pass option comes into effect because, you know, the screen play to Michael Young, the, the quick perimeter throws, coaches look at those like they look at perimeter run plays. You're trying to accomplish the same thing. You're trying to quickly get the ball to the edge of the defense and take advantage of, of you know, maybe a crowded box. So it's going to look different, and I think that we can't look at this kind of offense in a traditional sense where you just look at rushing attempts and yards versus passing attempts at yards. A lot of those quick perimeter pass plays are, are in the minds of coaches essentially run plays. And so those are things that you're going to have to be effective against uh, a team like Stanford, when they get to Florida State, who has a very athletic secondary, teams like that, they're going to have to be able to, to get those quick throws outside, which then should soften up the run game. Because, look, in this system, they are passing to set up the run, whereas with Brandon Wimbush in 2017, it was to run to set up the right. pass. Mm-hmm. So they've really done a 180 when it comes to their offensive philosophy. But if this is who they want to be, and we can just debate whether it's right or wrong, then Brandon, Ian Book is the quarterback. They need to execute that system. Brian Driscoll from Blue and Gold Illustrated, our guest today. Brian Kelly referenced the right guard position. There's a competition right now. Tommy Kramer, the starter at the beginning of the year, and of course a little banged up last week, so Rulin got the opportunity to get on the field. Is this more about injury? Is this more about production right now, the fact that there's a competition? 
I think it's a little bit of both. I think Tommy Kramer, there's no debating, in my opinion, that Tommy Kramer is a more talented player than Trevor Ruland. The problem that, he, that Tommy has had is the execution has not been there the last three games, really. He'll have some dominant blocks, but then he'll turn a free rusher loose. We saw that when quarterback against Ball State and Vanderbilt, a linebacker would kind of come between him and Robert Hainsey, and, and Tommy wasn't able to, you know, to fan out and pick that blitz up. We saw Trevor Rowland do a much better job of executing in those situations, and that helped with Ian because, look, when you are going to go with the offense they're going with, with the quick passing game and throwing the ball you know, 34, 40 times a game, you need to make sure that you've got five guys that are really good pass blockers. Tommy Kramer is an outstanding run blocker. Trevor Rowland is, is a little bit more athletic and a little bit more experienced and, and more sound as a pass blocker. So I think that factors into it as well is which one of these guys is the best fit for who we want to be on offense. When you look at the, the offensive line as a whole, have you seen the kind of progress that, that you think they need to have made over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been steady. It hasn't been leaps and bounds. It's been steady. They took advantage of two teams that aren't very good up front and yeah. did what they needed to do. What I was impressed with, they didn't play a great game up front, against Wake Forest, but they played a sound game up front. And actually, that was encouraging for me because we know that these players, Liam Eikenberg, Alex Bars, Robert Hainsey, Sam Musfer, when they're on top of their game, they can be dominant. But what was missing in against Wake Forest, or against, excuse me, against Vanderbilt and Ball State was too many missed assignments, unsound play, losing players, turning guys loose. So I was actually happy to see a game where they didn't necessarily physically dominate, but they executed at a higher level snap after snap than we've seen. The next step is now combining those two things, the physical dominance that we've seen at times in the first four, three games with the assignment soundness and the, and the improved fundamentals and technique that we saw against Wake Forest. Brian, if you are the offensive coordinator, personnel decision maker for this Notre Dame football team, how would you incorporate Dexter Williams back into this offense? I think in a similar fashion that they, they did with Avery Davis. You know, you're bringing him in there to take advantage of his explosiveness and his speed. You're not going to necessarily throw him the ball maybe as much as you would Avery, but Dexter's one of those guys. He doesn't have to be a high-volume player. And what I mean by that is Tony Jones Jr. is more effective when he gets up to 8, 9, 10, 12 carries. That's just the kind of physical game he had. Think of a Jerome Bettis-type player in the NFL back in the day. Dexter Williams is a guy that only needs really 5 to 8 touches to have an impact in a game. And so it, it allows you to start working him in more because he doesn't need 25 snaps to make an impact. And so I think we, we could possibly see him uh, come in and serve sort of that big play role, but I'm not going to be shocked if we don't see a lot of Dexter this weekend. Remember when Kevin Stefferson served his unofficial four-game suspension last year, it really wasn't until his third game back against USC that he became a more prominent figure in the offense, and I would argue that Kevin Stefferson was more proven uh, in 2016 than, than Dexter Williams was based on what he did last year. Brian, what was your biggest defensive takeaway from the win over Wake Forest? You know, the improved play of the cornerback position. You know, Wake Forest came in really throwing the ball effectively from a yard standpoint. Now, they had turned the ball over a little bit because they had a young quarterback, but they were really good. They had averaged, I think, 287 yards around or so in the game. They, and Notre Dame held them to their lowest quarterback rating and their lowest yardage total since 2016, uh, which obviously was impressive. And, and Troy Pride started the season off struggling. I think I figured it out today, Sean. I think you might have saw my tweet. The opponents completed 13 of their first 19 passes against him, mm -hmm. and he was giving up a lot of yards. 
starting with that interception late in the third quarter, opponents are just four of ten against him, and he's had two interceptions and two breakups. Wow. He's playing with more confidence, uh, and he's and teams are challenging him more, and he's responding well to it. And, of course, Julian Love was brilliant. They, they threw five passes at him, and only one of them were caught for two yards. He was outstanding in the game on Saturday as well. So that was a big takeaway for me. And, and Jerry Tillery was just absolutely outstanding. I had him down uh, in this game, guys. He, he actually played fewer snaps than we've seen. I had him down for 20 pass snaps. So he was in the game 20 times. They threw the ball. He had five quarterback hurries and one quarterback hit wow. on 20 pass snaps. That's an, an, an outstanding beyond elite uh, ratio in that game, so he certainly played at an extremely high level, and Daylon Hayes was another guy I thought was a really effective guy. His numbers don't show it, but he was very disruptive in that game, so a lot of different players really stepped up and played well against, you know, we talk about how bad Wake is on defense, well, their offense isn't the same. The reason they went 8-5 and five last year, and the reason they were 2-1 and one coming this game is because they do have an offense that can flat out move the ball and score points. And I thought Notre Dame did an excellent job really shutting them down for the most part. Brian, my final question for you is one you could probably sit down at a dry erase board and spend a half an hour, an hour talking about this, but we'll try to keep it generically speaking. I'm just curious (laughs) from your standpoint, Stanford has two very, very good tight ends, tall tight ends that are very good in the passing game. The Irish have some personnel decisions to make when Stanford goes with that two tight end look. What is your best guess in how Notre Dame might try to defend that formation? Because to me, I think that's a huge decision in this game. It is, and I think there's two ways you can do it, and I'm really not sure which one they're going to do. Last year, they tried to go big on big, so they kept their three starting linebackers in the game and then brought in Osmar Bilal in an attempt to defend the run game. I don't think Stanford's as good up front this year, so I think there's some thought that maybe you can defend the run game with your four, four linemen and your two box players, and maybe you, you do a little bit more where you bring Alohi Gilman down, uh, allow him to be more effect, uh, you know, more physical, maybe rerouting tight ends off the line, which means you know, trying to get your hands on them, don't let them get free runs, and and almost treat, especially Caden Smith, like you did Greg Dortch, which is kind of high low them all game, which means you have a, a defender playing underneath him and then another one over top of him to really keep him from from making plays. But then, of course, if you do that, you run the risk of being one on one outside with JJ Arcega Whiteside, and that's the dilemma that that Stanford really gives you is if you if you do too much to take their tight ends away, you then leave their really good outside receiver, Arcega Whiteside, open. And then, of course, then you become vulnerable to the run game. And that's the one area that Stanford has not dominated on the ground this year. Notre Dame has to make sure that they don't allow the run game to get going. They're, they're easier to defend when you can slow their run game and make Stanford pass because they have to, not because they want to. That's really the key to stopping them. And we saw that early against San Diego State. They shut the run game down, and Stanford had a hard time get, getting going because the, the, the pressures that they were using to attack the run game were also allowing them to get to K.J. Costello because at the end of the day, guys, whatever your game plan is to stop player A, B, or C, if you can get after the quarterback, that's the best way to neutralize anybody's passing game. What's the big matchup you're looking at on the other side of the ball when Notre Dame's on offense? I mean, for me, it's it's really about the offensive line. You know, Stanford is not as good as they've been in the past years on the defensive line. Uh, when Notre Dame has had success against Stanford on offense in recent years, I think back to the 2015 season, it's when the offensive line physically comes out and overwhelms what I believe a, a bit on the smaller side uh, defensive line from Stanford. So they've got to come out and really exert their will. 
They didn't do that last year. They didn't do that in 2016. That's really the key for this offense to get going is, is to just be physical, get movement, and force Stanford to put players, extra players in the box to stop the run. If you can do that, that's going to open up some opportunities to get to hit the passes down the field and some one-on-ones where Ian doesn't have to throw it 50 yards. He can just back shoulder it 25, 30 yards downfield, force them to get their outside linebackers tighter to the line, which allows them to then get those quick perimeter screens out there. So that's really going to be key is establishing the line of scrimmage and forcing Stamper to pay more attention to the box. Brian, Irish fans are excited. Top 10 matchup this week. They're looking for any information they can get their hands on. So let's remind folks about Blue and Gold Illustrated and what you have in store for them this week. Make sure you come to blueandgold.com. You'll be able to check out my film breakdown of Ian Book's performance yesterday. Today I put out the defensive backs, the linebackers, and in about a half an hour I'm going to put out a defensive line breakdown to give all the data that I started talking about earlier. And, of course, later in the week we'll have tons of breakdowns and analysis talking about matchups and keys to the game for uh, the Notre Dame Stanford game, which I believe is the first top ten uh, mm-hmm. game uh, Notre Dame Stadium since two thousand five, right? The old Bush. So, uh, and Notre Dame's yeah, Notre Dame's looking to have their first top ten uh, win over a top ten team at home since nineteen ninety three. Thanks to Loose Emoji for that little tidbit, but uh, <laughs> wow. certainly a big game, and you can see all about that uh, at blueandgold dot com this week. The great thing is that was just off the top of Lou's exactly. head. Exactly, he didn't have to look it up. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, no That's one of the great things about working with Lou is I don't have to do research. I just turn around and say, Hey, Lou, when was the last time? such-and-such happened, and he tells me what it was. Do the Google. See, actually, Google asked Lou for all this information, so people don't know that. (laughs) Brian, great stuff, as always. Greatly appreciate your time. Brian Driscoll from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgoldillustrated.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you at the stadium on Saturday. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. There's Brian from Blue and Gold Illustrated. His analysis on this 4-0 Fighting Irish. Hi, this is Dan Patrick, and you're listening to South Bend's number one sports talk show. Weekday Sports Beat on 96.1 WSBT. Dan Patrick hosting the Dan Patrick Show every weekday morning starting at 10 on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader, Golik and Wingo. Tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. And right now, Mike Golik Sr. and Mike Golik Jr. They've got a contest running on that show where you can have one heck of a Notre Dame-Pittsburgh weekend in a couple of weeks at Notre Dame Stadium. I think they're going to host a little pregame tailgate. Yeah, and there's some other activities going on. So you get to hang out with the Golics. I believe there's going to be five winners. They've already given away a couple of spots, so that's ongoing right now on Golic and Wingo. Weekday mornings at 5 on 96.1 WSBT. Sometimes you hear names and you don't piece it together. I had one of those moments when we were talking to Brian Driscoll from Blue and Gold Illustrated. I just did some quick research on Lance Anderson, who is the defensive coordinator at Stanford. And on his webpage, his title is listed as the Willie Shaw Director of Defense. That's a pretty strong title. Yeah, I know. The old almost, Oakland Raider, that, at least that's the team I remember him from anyway. And obviously, he spent a lot of time as an assistant coach and was a defensive coordinator in the National Football League with the St. Louis Rams and the Oakland Raiders back in 1998-1999. He's now 74 years old. He was a player at Stanford for a couple of years and 
he actually transferred to San Diego State University, which hmm. I did not know. But actually, you know what? It says here, Shaw rose in the rank of sergeant in the United States Air Force. Wow. Worked on jets at an electronics company before enrolling at the University of New Mexico. Lettered in football at New Mexico, was an All-American. Then transferred to San Diego State University where he did not play football. This is Willie Shaw. Yeah. So we're talking. Really? Yes. So I'm, there must be two Willie Shaws or something. I don't know. Because this Willie Shaw is the father of Stanford head coach David Shaw. <laughs> And so, the other one played for so one played for Stanford, one didn't. Is what apparently you're saying. So th this particular the father of David Shaw was an outside linebacker, special teams coach at Stanford in '74, mm -hmm. and a defensive back in '75, '76. Okay, but yeah, there was Willie Shaw with the Raiders, right? Right, that's the one I remember. So that's why I was a little confused looking at his bio. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. So this must be a different different one. It hmm. has to be. Well. Absolutely has to be. So, interesting. A lot of, in the coaching world, there's just a lot of tie-ins. There really are. And I was just, we were kind of talking about this during the break, and I, I just saw something late last week, I think it was, that Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, his dad, back in the 80s, was an assistant coach for Bill Walsh with the 49ers. And it's like, huh. But then I guess it makes sense when you're the youngest coach <laughs> in NFL history that you would somehow fall from that Bill Walsh tree, at least directly, indirectly. He, he's kind of tied to that. And I'm looking, I'm looking at this Willie Shaw thing as well. They might be the same guy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> By the bio, I'm a little confused, to be honest. Yeah. All right, so we've got David Shaw, who has done an amazing job at Stanford, taking what Jim Harbaugh started and doing some great things with that Cardinal program, and a lot at stake with these two and oh, these two, excuse me, four and oh football teams squaring off at Notre Dame Stadium. We'll do a little rapid fire. All right, Sean and I finally figured out, or actually, Sean gets credit. We were thinking of the wrong Willie. That's what it was. Willie Brown. Yes, that's who we're thinking. And I'm of. looking at it right here. It's we we were both thinking of the same thing. His famous interception return in Super Bowl Nine against the Minnesota Vikings, where that NFL films or they've got the the Tight close shot. up on him. Yeah. yeah, and he's just running straight at the camera forever. Pro Football Hall of Famer, 39 career interceptions in a Raiders uniform. So Sean Brown, we got the two. Mixed up. But still, Willie Shaw, longtime coach in the National Football League, and now his son David, who has been wooed by many NFL teams, but he has stayed put in Palo Alto. Yes. Let's get a couple of rapid fire questions in before we wrap up this hour. I've got this one that you asked Tyler James yesterday, and I will throw it to you because we both had Brandon Wimbush being Notre Dame's leading rusher. At the end of the season. So, fill in the blank. Notre Dame's leading rusher now will be blank. I think it's tough to guess, but I'm going to base on the fact three of the four games, Jafar Armstrong appeared to be more the featured guy. I'll just pick him. 
Tony Jones was the factor against Vanderbilt. Yeah. But the other games, I feel like it tilted more toward Armstrong. That's how I'm going to base my answer. And I'm sure we're all kind of going back and forth on those. I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more toward Jones just because I feel like with his physicality, he can be sort of a guy who can, you know, maybe against a, a Stanford this week where he can he can run inside, he can run outside. Obviously, he has the versatility in the passing game that, that doesn't necessarily contribute to his rushing yards, but still at the same time. So it gives him a chance to be on the field, though, as well. And, and so I just I, I think that I'm leaning toward him because of that versatility. He can pound it. A little more when they need it. It just seems like his his game can play against a lot of other teams, and we're still sort of finding out about Jafar Armstrong mm-hmm. right now. It's interesting because Evan Sharpley, I heard a couple weeks ago when Tim Grunhard was in town, the former Notre Dame and Kansas City chief lineman, he coached Jafar Armstrong <laughs> at Bishop Meage in in Kansas City, and he said they tried to make him a running back in high school, but it, it didn't work out. Now here he is, and he's looked great so far. But I, I lean slightly toward Tony Jones Jr. Your guess is as good as mine. That's, right I mean, I think we're all going to find out together because now with the added element of Dexter Williams jumping in, what's he going to mean uh-huh. to this whole bunch? How's that going? What kind of ripple effect is that going to have? So, okay. Now, let's go back to the quarterback position, everyone's favorite topic right now. Assuming health is not an issue, scale of 1 to 10, what chances do you give Ian Book to start all eight remaining games? (laughs) Knew you'd like that one. (laughs) On a scale of 1 to 10? Scale of 1 to 10. Chances he starts all eight remaining games. Again, health is not a factor. I'm going to do the Brian Kelly <laughs> sigh there, yeah. right on the microphone. <sighs> I mean, I don't know what to believe in these press conferences right now. Yeah. So, I just can't believe you're going to go back and forth. And I don't see a matchup that just, just says Brandon Wimbush is the perfect fit for this game. I mean, I can find... He could be all the starter for all eight. I can see Ian Book starting for all eight. But does one stand out before any other? No, not really. I, you know what? Since I think after this Stanford game, I could answer it better because they're probably going to be the first team that has enough film on Ian. They're going to try to take stuff away yeah. from him. And if he gets through this, there's not a lot of great defenses left on the docket. Right. So I would be more confident answering that question after this week. So okay. I'm just going to say seven right now, but if he makes it through next week, I think it would, it would go to nine or ten. That's interesting. And I, it, and that's, I mean, really, when you think about it... You know there's something unknown we're not thinking of. No, right and, and it... But I think you hit it on the head because... We, we've all done this long enough. We react to this a week at a time for 12 weeks over the course of the season. So what we have now is what we've seen most recently, and that is Ian Book shredding the 118th ranked defense in the country. And I don't want to take anything away from no, him because he still had nope. to go out and, and execute, and he did a great job of it. But 
But that's all we have right now, and he's going to see a lot better defense this coming up week. And and how is Notre Dame going to be able to run the ball? Will his passing game be able to open things up like it essentially did against Wake Forest, even though Wake Forest really didn't commit that much to the running game for the whole yeah. game? But, I mean, you know, it, that that is what it is. But So how are they going to run the ball against Stanford? What's it going to look like a week from now? What are we going to be talking about a week from now? And I think that's a great point. But right now, I I think I would give it a 7 as well. Because, I mean, a week ago at this time, none of us saw Ian Book starting. But then the pendulum swung. Who's to say that it might not swing back after Stanford? Who knows? Can I ask the final rapid-fire question? We're short on time. Sure, go ahead. On a scale of 1 to 10. Hmm. How good does this sound? Reese's peanut butter whip topping. You had me at Reese's. (laughs) It's a new product. Reese's peanut butter cup dairy whip topping. Oh, my gosh. One to ten. How good does that sound? That's that's, uh, off the charts ten. I think so, too. It just popped up on (laughs) one of my social media. Yeah. Vanilla or chocolate. Put some of that on top there. Mm. I know my daughter would be in heaven over that. My dad, too, for that matter. That's Put one some of, those, of that Reese's on the chocolate. I mean, that's when you just squirt in your mouth, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll take a quick time out of Sportsbeat Rolls on on WSBT.